Well, the awaited day of judgment has come. The triumphant Christ arrives in all his heavenly glory. He takes his place upon the throne. The court is called to order, and the books are opened. The judgment begins, and the nations are brought before him. Russia, Japan, South Africa, Germany, the United Kingdom, Mexico, Canada, the United States. Is that how you picture it? Talk about the last judgment, and my mind's eye jumps to something like Michelangelo's painting, with the blessed on the right and the damned on the left, but each of them very clearly individuals. But you know, that's not the picture that Jesus paints. What does the text say? The nations will be gathered before him. The nations are accountable to Jesus Christ. Now, that's really not part of the U.S. Constitution, is it? I mean, we do, after all, have rules in this country about separation of church and state. That's a peculiarly American view, and one which is very politically useful. It makes life work in this very diverse country that we have. But it just, frankly, is not the biblical view. That conviction is that this nation and every nation is accountable to God. And it's a consistent theme in both the Old and New Testament. Visit again the psalm that we did this morning. God has taken God's place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, the Lord holds judgment. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all nations belong to you. And of course, you know the words of Handel's great chorus. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever, king of kings and lord of lords. Our Lord's sovereignty extends to kings, presidents, administrations, governors, mayors, anybody like that. And what's challenging about the text is that it begins with the nation standing before Jesus for judgment, which is good. But the judgment is directed toward individuals. Individually, we are held accountable before our Lord for the nations in which we live. And if you're like me, you begin to squirm a little bit and go, wait a minute. There's a lot about this country which is really good, but the racial injustice, the corporate corruption, the political shenanigans, the urban rot, that's not my fault. You may recognize the name of Martin Niemöller. He was a leader of the Christian resistance to Hitler, and he actually spent eight years in jail because of it. But after the war, he was one of the first to say, we are all guilty all of us. You see, like it or not, each one of us will be accountable to God for the communities in which we live and which we've helped to create. And Jesus isn't going to ask, we're the most powerful nation in the world. He won't ask, did you have the strongest army or the wealthiest economy? The accountability is very specific. Did we feed the hungry? Did we welcome the stranger? Did we clothe the naked? 
Did we visit the sick and the imprisoned? Liberation theologians use the word solidarity. It speaks of unity, of interests, of purpose, of sympathies. So to be in solidarity with the hungry means that we make their interests our own. To be in solidarity with those who are strangers, outsiders, refugees, means that we make their concerns ours. To be in solidarity with the sick means that we take their interests as our own. And to be in solidarity with the imprisoned means that their problems are our problems. It's an appropriate word to use in a context that 